Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Today we have with us Dr. Uh, Tyler Tolles and Dennis Burns and Mr. R.L. Frazier. Say hello everybody. Hello everybody. Happy to be here. All right, well, let's get started. We got a lot of topics to cover this morning, and um, I think we need to get started with wheat. Um, Tyler, do you have anything that we, uh, I guess, need to be looking for insect-wise in this late-season wheat? Uh, yeah, we've we've heard, we've got some calls about some aphids and some wheat. By this point, it's probably too late to make any applications, but we did see some some interesting occurrences with so many aphids that was actually weighing down the wheat, which is, uh, I talked to Dr. Leonard about it. And he said first time in 15 years that he's seen anything like it. So that was a kind of a neat observation. Um, another thing we need to be kind of thinking about is army worms will, will show up kind of late season, um, as well as rice stink bugs. I know that a lot of our wheat on station here is, uh, starting to bloom and it'll be heading out soon. So, both army worms and stink bugs, just something to keep your eyes out for. All right. Well, let's move on into um, cotton and soybeans. I know hey, down here. We'll, go ahead, Dennis. Hey, let's raise go. your hand. You're supposed to raise your hand. Remember? Me. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, can we do? Uh, we fixing to plant Milo here on the station. Sure. If it, ever, if it ever dries up and there's a little, we'll have some Milo scattered around in the parish. And I know there's not a lot to talk about Milo, but seed treatments on Milo, what do you think, Tyler? Well, yes. Yes, no. yes. Use use your seed treatments in in, uh, in grain sorghum. It's just like corn, you're going to have a bunch of uh, soil-dwelling pests, a lot of the same soil-dwelling pests, um, wireworms, things like that. You'll run into some uh, to some early season feeding bugs that those, those seed treatments are really going to help you out. Um, another thing is we see a little bit of a uh, little bit of control with aphids early season, and it may even buy you some time with the uh, sugarcane aphid. So definitely something you want to consider when you're planting Milo this year. Okay, good deal. I knew, okay. it, knew it wasn't a lot. Okay, go ahead, Kylie. Yeah, well, let's move. Staying on seed treatments, let's stick with that. Um, you know, talking about uh, cotton and soybeans. So I guess we can start in cotton because that's where these seed treatments are really, really important. Um, this year, with every be- everything being so expensive, it's really important that we get this cotton off to a, a good start and, and prevent having any kind of replant situations. Two years ago on station, we had we had some uh, some seed treatment trials for thrips and cotton in nor- and at the Northeast Station in St. Joe, and the thrips were so bad that our untreated plots were the terminals were blown out and it was outright killing the plants. So there are some scenarios where thrips pressure is bad enough um, that you can have some stand loss. So when it comes to seed treatments, we've got a lot of options, but not a whole lot of chemistries. And what I mean by that is pretty much everything we use now is metagloper based. We used to have thymethoxam, but we have lost it. Um, Hold on, I'm getting a phone call. We used to have time without sand, but we lost it due to resistance, probably 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. Uh, 
so like I said, most everything we're we're looking at now is imidacloprid based. Now we've got folks coming with imidacloprid based seed treatments that are applied before they're bagged, and we've also got folks that are running infurrow. So infurrow is an option, but I know not a lot of people are running infurrow. Imidacloprid could be run infurrow as well as acephate. So obviously, you know, more and more that you add into that furrow, the better off you're going to be. Um, but there is also, you know, cost associated with that. Um, you can also have your seed treated through the dealer with acephate. Uh, just keep in mind that if you do go with that option, that they are going to open that bag and they are going to treat it. So therefore, if, if you get that that cotton seed treated with acephate, they're not going to take it back. It's your seed. So if you wind up not planting it, you know, you're stuck with that seed. Um, uh, one other thing about Inferro seed treatments that I will mention, we also have AgLogic, which is is the new version of Timic or it's Autocarb. You need to be set up with those boxes um, to run that Inferro. Uh, three to four pounds per acre looks really good. It's really good on thrips. It makes the cotton look real pretty compared to an untreated or just a metacloprid uh, seed treatment alone. Have I missed anything from a? Uh, from I a, got a question. Just and then and we've got a bunch of planters over here that are set up for central fill hoppers. So really, I don't know. Is there a way they can put Timic out? Ag logic. Uh, is there a way they can put it out with uh, with those central fill hoppers? Uh, I'm not sure. Can you can you calibrate those things to put out at a certain rate? Because that's the important part. Uh, I don't know. It'd have to be something separate because you got the little bitty hoppers for the seed, and there's no real room to put a a regular hopper box. Is there a way to put a another box on it? Y'all know of any way? I've I never seen one, but that's what I was just sitting here thinking on those. When the seeds are all going in the big center hopper, you're going to have to have another, basically, Timic boxes attached to drop it back in furrow. Right. I never say it can't be done, but I've never seen it. Yeah, you have, you to, have, have, to, have, you used to have those electric Gandy boxes on, you know, the old, if you didn't have Timic boxes on your planter, if you had a different kind, you had to put those Gandy boxes on there, and they went to a tube that went to each row, but... They were electric, but I don't know. I mean, with these new planters, I don't know if it work or not. I don't know. Again, just making sure if you, if it's possible, making sure that that calibration is correct would be the only thing that I, I would think would limit it. Well, and you get some nematicide out of the Timic too, don't you? Yeah, you do. And and we also have that product called Eris, which is a metacloprid based that controls your thrips, which it's also got thiodicarb, which is a uh, a nematode product. So that's an option as well if you're if you're worried about nematodes as well. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I think I've mentioned everything from a from an at planning standpoint. Um, if you want to talk about some foliar options, we've got a few foliar options, and there's actually some news coming out of Tennessee. I know. A lot of folks that go out with a with a foliar shot go out with acephate mainly because it's cheap and it's historically been really effective. Um, there is some, some no. there is some sign that um, acephate is there's some 
I mean, some resistance that's occurring in at with acephate in the western part of Tennessee and kind of the northeastern part of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We've sent collections off, and we hadn't seen, you know, we hadn't seen it dipping down into Louisiana yet. But that is a that's kind of a serious thing that, you know, if we lose acephate for thrips, that could be big. Yep. I got another question too. Okay. If if you we've had some cotton a little bit of cotton planted over here in Tinsaw, but if we if you wait till close to May first and your thrips pressure potential thrips pressure could fall off significantly, couldn't it? Um because cotton's growing it, fast. Yeah, based on planting date, um we do kind of see an interaction with the rips and there's actually a website where you can put in your, your planting date and where you're located and it'll tell you a rough percentage of, you know, how bad your thrips is going to be. Um, we try to plant our trials based on that website. Sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. Uh, but I mean, generally, you know, the, the later you plant, the more cotton there, there's going to be, the more kind of watering down effect of thrips you're going to get. The faster your cotton grows, the less it's going to have an effect on it. So there's a lot that plays into that planting planting date thing when it comes to thrips pressure. Okay. Well, just that just seemed like it was always the cotton seemed to come up. If you plant, it's always warm. It come, comes out of the ground growing. It doesn't sit there and... Like it's pretty. What little cotton's up right now is kind of just sitting here today. I, mm-hmm. And I will and I will say it seems like the past couple of years that we've got our trials out. This time of year is just known for spring rain, um, which is mm-hmm. also gonna it's gonna cause that cotton to kind of stalemate a little bit. And it's gonna also cause your your seed treatments and your inferno sprays to kind of leach a little more quickly since they're systemic. They're gonna want to move with water. Well, right now that'd be pretty easy because it's pretty yeah. wet. Yeah, you know, it's just—it's all you can say. It's just sloppy wet now, right? You know, so. <laughs> well, Don't I worry. talked a little bit about the foliars outside of acephate. You've got a couple other options, but they're kind of expensive. Intrepid Edge and Radiant—they do really well, but I mean, you're going to pay for that, and um. It should probably be stated, I think most folks know, but pyrethroids are not helping thrips, um, our thrips problems there. We actually see a little bit of a flaring effect when we spray pyrethroid. Our, our thrips numbers in those plots will be higher than our untreated plots, so that's just something to keep in mind as well. Yeah. Okay, I got one. Wait a minute, I got one more question. One more question. Wait a minute, I got my hand up. Uh, <laughs> the... You talked about the pyrethroids flaring things. Okay, we we got ryegrass is an issue over here and pretty much all everywhere over here. That everywhere. With ryegrass. Okay, <laughs> we're burning it. I mean, we we got it down now. We're, we're burning down fields with gramoxone, <clears throat> but you've still got ryegrass because it's been wet. It just is out there. Mm-hmm. And is that a potential? Is that going to... Is that a potential to f- cause more insect problems? Uh, and you talked about flaring. We, is that gramoxone going to kill the ryegrass? Is that going to do something with spider mites? Um, it's something I've been thinking about. You've got to think that we're we're creating some problems. Um, with this ryegrass, it's acting as a green bridge if we want to kind of reach back into our cover crop topics. 
it's acting as a green bridge. We've we've been finding. Um, I actually pulled some out of some fields last last spring and threw them in some lazy funnels, and I was finding a bunch of thrips. And um, we also find some stink bugs, kind of overwintering and feeding in them, and and some uh, some cutworms as well. So you've got to think that with that that becoming more of an issue, it's gonna it's gonna provide a host through the winter for a lot of these these pests that we deal with on an annual basis, it may actually exacerbate it. But there's not really a whole lot of research that I know of going on right now looking at that, but it, it would be a great project topic. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just, a, this is a problem that's just getting worse and worse. And actually a consultant made the statement to me, he said, we burned everything down in February, looked great. And then all of a sudden it's like we fertilized the ryegrass. Evidently, ryegrass is not extremely competitive until you kill everything out there. Right. And once you kill it, it explodes. And it's just getting, it's becoming a serious, it's in everybody's field. Whether right. you put out residuals last fall, whatever you did, it's in every, there is ryegrass in everybody's fields. You know, just yeah. every, some of us, they've managed to kill with, you know, gramoxone and stuff, but. Some of it they haven't. It's been, you know, it's a scattered plants, but those scattered plants are already headed out. Yep, and I'm hopping out of my wheelhouse when I say this, but we we sprayed most of our fields in the fall last year on station here in Winsboro uh, with dual magnum, and where we where we applied that, and it just looks so much better. Um, and you can obviously tell that where we did and where we didn't do it. Um, but there are some, you know, we did have to go in and, and chop out some some stragglers that were left behind. I mean, there was a lot of residuals went out over here and they were bare all winter. And then there was a late emergence of ryegrass came up and it's not a thick. It's just an individual plant scattered across fields and right. they're just there. And but like I say, they've already headed out and, you know, so. Anyway, that's off topic. You're not a weed scientist. So. <laughs> talk about he, did, he did pretty good covering it. And I guess now we can talk about soybeans. Um, so we'll kind of hit, I guess I'll start in early season and kind of work towards late season. Um, seed treatment, kind of what we see from year to year in our trials. You know, the earlier you plant soybeans, really the better off you're going to be. Um, I wouldn't go out on a limb and say you wouldn't need an insecticide seed treatment if you planted on time, but typically when we see less of, you know, less of a return when we use them in those scenarios, um, obviously the later you plant, you know, it, it might justify it a little bit more, but year to year, we don't really see any kind of significant increase in yield or return or anything like that when we, when we incorporate these seed treatments. But we also always pretty much see at least, you know, a, a bushel or two yield increase, and, and that may actually pay for that seed treatment. So one thing, you know, seed treatment's a preventative, and if you don't utilize it and once, you know, if something happens, there's nothing you can do but replant. So the way I kind of look at seed treatments is it's, like I said, it's a preventative, but most of the time it pays for itself. And if you do run into an issue, um, and you don't have it, and you, there's nothing you can do. So it's just something to be thinking about. Um, a lot of the pests that we run into, soil dwelling, things like that, they kind of all, you know, they 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 occur in corn. So we all kind of know 
in soybeans and corn and grain sorghum, a lot of the pests are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into kind of mid-season stuff, I know last year was a bad, bad fall on me. weren't here. I've got a lot of questions about if that's going to happen again. And we haven't seen anything like that happen in a long time. And I don't expect it to happen again, but I will never try to predict what's going to happen with insects throughout the year because it'll make you it'll make you look dumb pretty much um last year i think what happened i talked to david kearns who's in in texas now they had a lot of uh timely rains last spring and they had a abnormally warm spring and it was just a it was really good for for worm populations to build up and they actually showed up way earlier last year than they typically do so I ought to be hearing from David Kearns pretty soon to see what the worm situation is looking like in Texas because that's where our populations come from since they're migratory. Um, moving on from worms, we've been sweeping some clovers uh, northeast part of the state. I've got I've got consultants sweeping uh, clovers and sending me numbers and things. With the winter being as warm as it was, we're going to see significant populations of red bands this year. I took 20 or so sweeps the other day when I hopped out of the truck, just ran through some crimson clover real quick, took 20 sweeps, looked in, I was at threshold. So we're going to have some some issues with stink bugs this year. Really the recommendation there is scout and plant early. Planting early, getting those beans out as quickly as you can is going to be uh, the best method of control. Um, allowing them to build those populations is going to, is going to hurt us late season. So um did you have a question Kylie? no uh-uh. okay um but and that's one thing that i've talked with some consultants is that the way that we've been thinking about this we've always said that um, the latest bean has the worst problem with red bands but it, it may also that may also mean that the earliest planted bean may act as a trap crop so just some things to think about you know we say plant early but that doesn't mean that you know you're not going to run into them um Otherwise, what have I missed? What am I? What am I forgetting? Oh, you uh, gave us the bad news. So <laughs> <laughs> three-cornered alfalfa hoppers oh, kind okay. of show up. They don't. They're always out there, but there's. It's like there's only a one year. Every, just every once in a while, you have a feel that they're really. You know, is that that they're really bad enough? Is that because of the seed treatments we're using, or? Um, I'm not sure that it'd be a seed treatment issue or a lack thereof. Um, I think, I think, and I don't know this um, for a fact, but a, a lot of where we see those are following um, fields that are that have a lot of stubble left over, things like that. Um, but you know, when the when the fields have a lot of organic matter, it seems to be when we see them most often. As for you know, as for Control. I know that Louisiana has a threshold for them, um, but you know, cheap, cheap control method. Pyrethroids usually handle them if you have to spray for them, but that's probably pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, I've swept a lot. I've swept a lot of them over the years, and it's just very, very seldom that you have them bad enough to spray for them. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. I'm trying to be a good student today and raise my hand. Uh, another one that you know I just thought about we hadn't heard of heard from in several years was the uh, kudzu bug beetle. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we got all this big scare, what, Dennis, eight, ten years ago? Uh, yeah, we, and we were scouting right. fields up and down the uh, interstate looking for them and found a few, but nothing ever materialized. Was it? What what caused that? I reckon what I'm trying to ask. Um, just a quick history on those. They were brought in. I guess it was it was in the early 2010s. It was brought in through. I think they came in through Mobile. They were brought in on a boat from arising from Asia or somewhere over there. And when I started grad school in 20. 16 that was kind of when they were really getting kicked off in mississippi and we could find them um in huge populations on kudzu and then once soybeans got up they jumped to, to soybeans and it, they weren't hard to find um the one thing that was really you know that was really interesting about them was they'd show up in these big populations um, but they were really easy to kill. We could spray them with bifenthrin and they'd be gone. So it's not really a pest that scares us. If you see them, you know, and they're at threshold, spray them, and you'll probably, you know, you're going to handle them pretty easily. One thing that happens is they get a they get a fungal disease that will just wipe out the population. That fungus is Bavaria bassiana. So we'll get pictures from consultants finding them, and they'll be covered in in white. It just looks like cake frosting. They'll just be covered in that white frosting. And it essentially will wipe out an entire field-level population if it gets established. So we haven't seen them um, too often. I got a couple of messages about them last year. But they're they're pretty few and far between. They're pretty rare. Pretty rare. I found a, a couple on, uh, on station last season, and it was rare enough that I took pictures of them. So... They're just not a huge issue, at least in the northeast part of the state. But like I said, that's you know this when it came out that year, boy, they had us riding roads looking for kudzu, especially here up and down the river. It's really checking for them, found a few, and it never had a population to build up. And I was wondering, it's maybe just our regular stink bug treatments may have helped yeah. keep them down. Yeah, that's that's a lot of it. You know, folks were spraying for stink bugs, and it's knocking a lot of those 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 kudzu bugs out okay you know what i remember about the kudzu bug thing they rode on white trucks they like yep. white trucks yep 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 and they they'll get around white houses they'll get in the window seals and things like that that's another place we see them a bunch you know with us sitting right here at the the river bridge you know and a couple of truck stops right on the edge of the louisiana side you know we were we were really panicking and I think I found one field right next to the river, five miles, three miles from the bridges. We found a few, and that was it. Yeah. Well, it, it was worrisome because they could establish in such large numbers, but they're just super sensitive to pyrethroids, and they weren't easy. I mean, they're really easy to kill. So we just, you know, after a couple of years of research, we felt pretty comfortable with, you know, control. I figured it, it had to be something like that, but. Anyway, I had to chase a rabbit for a minute. Didn't <laughs> chase a white truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Scout School. Um, that's a uh, that's we got that coming up. Let's let me look at the date. It is um, gonna be May twenty eighth. Um, I got the flyer right here. Let's see.
I don't know what time it's. Done. I'm trying to find that flyer, guys. Hang on. I can just talk about it real quick. Right. Um, the the what we wanted to do. I, I sat down with Dr. Leonard, and we had a bunch of consultants there. that were wanting to send their kids to scout schools. And so what we decided was on May 28th, and we're going to start at 8 a.m. That's a Saturday. The reason we did that is we didn't want any of the scouts to, you know, have school issues or, or class or anything like that. So the best way to do it was just have it on a Saturday. So we plan to start at 8 a.m. Um, and it'll hopefully conclude about 1 p.m. But we, I've got some folks coming in to speak. I've got Don Cook coming from Mississippi to talk about corn insects and and damage diagnosis. Um, I've got our new entomologist at the Dean Lee Station, James Villegas, coming up to talk about rice because that's primarily what he worked on in his um, his doctoral degree. Uh, Dr. Leonard's going to come in and talk about cotton insects, and I'm going to talk about soybeans. Uh, we're going to have Matt Foster, our cotton and corn specialist, come over and give kind of a, a field-based talk on um, crop staging, how to how to you know correctly stage all these crops. We also wanted to make this kind of a one-stop shop for these scouts so that we could get them worker protection trained and also registered with the LDAF as scouts. That way they can be getting their credit. So we're going we're gonna to have all that, um, kind of one-stop shop, everything, uh, getting them trained on pests, how to diagnose damage when the pest yeah. isn't there, um, get them to, to correctly stage crops, and, and then get them signed up with the state that way they can receive credit on all this so so if you'd like to come it's free we're going to provide lunch um i just need people to we've got a link and i can send that out just contact me i'm just getting you know just so we can get a kind of a head count of who's going to show up that way we can provide lunch i got i have a question just now if i'm joe farmer and i want to come can i come yeah, we've uh, we've invited producers, scouts, consultants, um, agri-industry, anybody that wants to come can come. We're going to have a, a roundtable for clientele just so we can discuss some big topic items. If, you know, if people have questions, we can talk about it. And that kind of incentivizes a lot of these producers to be there as well. Okay, are y'all going to go... <clears throat> you're going to be at Macon Ridge. Are y'all going to go across the road and look at some crops, or are you going to do everything in a classroom? No, the first half of it will be classroom setting um, because we're going to have slideshows of all these insect pests and stuff. But the afternoon, after lunch, we're going to go across the road, and hopefully if it'll stop raining long enough, we'll get some uh, some strips planted. That way we'll have crops at all different stages across the road that we can look at. Okay, good. All right, guys. Oh, the last thing I, I want to go ahead and plug, too, is the Louisiana Clops newsletter came out last Friday. And um, I, Tyler, I think you've got a, an article in it as well. Um, so if anybody's listening to that, check your emails or if you're missing that, reach out to us and we'll get that in your hands. But other than that, oh, Dennis, raising your hand again. What you got? Man, I'm, I'm, a, I'm being polite today. Uh, <laughs> It hadn't come out yet. There'll be an announcement. I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be coming out pretty quick. There's going to be a couple of uh, chronic wasting disease meetings, one in Winsboro and one in uh, here at the Northeast Station in St. Joe toward the end of May. Um, the guys are supposed to send me some agendas 
uh, the wildlife fishery guys supposed to send me an agenda and I'll be sending that out. We'll get more information out when that comes. Okay. All right. And then the only other thing I know of too is there there's going to be a beef cattle field day in Alexandria um, on the uh, 28th. So, so that's going to be in the afternoon. Ooh, echo. All right, Mr. RL, go ahead. Uh, another thing, Kyle, you know, we've done three of these large uh, pesticide certification meetings for folks to get their cards. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're still needing a pesticide card, contact your local Department of Ag, uh, you know, district office, like for us, Kyle Monroe. And uh, if you've got employees that still need a card, uh, they are taking them on, you know, scheduled appointments over there and, and, and go putting them through the training where they can still get their card, especially during these rainy days. And we're still looking at possibly doing another large meeting sometime in the near future, but we don't have any dates or anything right now. Okay. Well, all right, guys. Well, um, Tyler, we appreciate you joining us today. And as always, you're welcome back anytime. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank y'all. All right. Thank y'all. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.